Live from Nordia House in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. So I am currently facing an inescapable fact of life. And it's one that many of you have probably gone through. Maybe you're going through it now. Inevitably, you will go through it because, well, we all do. And that is the loss of a parent. Or for me, it's the loss of a parent's independence. Because you see, my mom has a slow progression of ALS. ALS is the Lou Gehrig's disease. It's the Stephen Hawking's disease. And I've spent the last seven plus years watching my mom go from this independent, strong, beautiful, capable mom to this still very mentally capable, mentally strong woman trapped inside her frail and failing body. And when I hold her small hand in mine, I feel such deep sorrow for her situation. And I feel such great admiration for the strength that she's found within her disease. And it's a mirror of my own mortality. And at 57, childless, happily single, I do find that I have a deep loneliness in my own life. And I realize that I've found or has grown this inexplicable fear of dying and dying alone. Now, I haven't always been afraid of dying alone, quite the opposite. I have very high risk tolerance. I have been a mountain climber and rock climber my entire adult life. I have traveled remote parts of the world and still do by myself. And I think nothing about jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> the last time, in fact, I jumped out of an airplane and the chute didn't open, it was me who was calmly and coolly helping my instructor who was on my back tandem stay calm while he struggled opening the bar tack to get our reserve chute open so that we could land safely on the ground. Clearly it worked. <laughs> my point, though, is, is that I've faced death many, many times through my choices in life, and I've always met her with such calm, cool acceptance. Until now. Now I'm that girl. I'm that girl who can go, I can see myself, seriously, going away to Kenya or to Tanzania and by some weird twist of fate or sad misfortune, getting hit by a bus or eaten by lions and passing, dying, and nobody noticing, not being missed. So I had to take stock, like, how did I become that girl? How did I go from this adventurer to this girl, this woman who's afraid of dying alone? And I realized that chaos became a really good friend of mine when I was about 12 or 13. I think it was 13. And that was when my external, beautiful, idyllic American world, two kids, two parents, two houses, sorry, one house, two cars, <laughs> two pets, crumbled, exploded <laughs> overnight when my parents told me that they were getting a divorce. My dad vacated. He abandoned us, me, physically. And my mom, over the next five years, 
abandoned me emotionally and often wasn't home. I was left to fend for myself. Those formative years between 13 and 18, when loving parents were giving their children roots and wings, security and guidance, I didn't get any of that. I was alone, and it was agreed I was mostly to stay unseen. I was cut adrift, and I was rudderless, and I was lost. And I was way too young to have been set out in the world at that age. I would come and go from home quite often, and it was usually an empty home. And I found that I harbor an intense grief that I've carried like a chronic condition with me for the rest of my adult life. Now, my adult life has been a duality. On the outside, it's been pretty successful. I've lived life on my own terms, I travel the world, I have extremely meaningful work. On the outside, it's great. Inwardly, not so much. I find I'm really haunted by the insecurities of that 13-year-old girl that took root back then in those days. And I find that the more externally I was trying to achieve and strive, the more I was not paying attention to what was going on inside. And I was making pretty significant life choices that have been taking me farther and farther and farther down my path of isolation. And I realize that if I don't stop doing this, then that fear of dying alone is going to be a reality. Death, the specter of death, is looming, and she looms large for me right now. Luckily, in April 2011, I had the chance of achieving a lifelong dream, and that dream was to live and work overseas. And I had the chance to live and work in Thailand, in Vietnam, in the Philippines, in Nepal. And it was at that point that my life began to take a different tack. I chose to live with families, local families, especially in Vietnam. And we would live in these small flats, and there would be multiple generations. There would be grandparents and parents and kids and sometimes a neighbor child or a cousin who'd also lost their parents. And we'd all be in this tight little living space, and it was chaotic, and it was crazy, and it was messy, and it was human, and it was really, really vibrant. Also in Vietnam, in both the houses and in the offices, they carve out a very sacred space. And this space is an altar, and it's called the Ancestor Altar. And on the top of that altar, there'll be pictures of those who've passed, maybe a child who died too young, maybe a great-grandparent, maybe a mother. And in front of that altar, there's gifts, gifts of food and incense and money and all the things the living people thought that the dead people needed to exist well in the afterlife. And these altars were attended to on a daily basis to the extent that the living would actually speak to the dead about important life decisions, about birth and marriage and education. And it was by being immersed in these, this mass of humanity living in Vietnam with this tapestry of generation to generation and this, and this perceptible thread of the living and the dead where I saw traditions passed down from generation to generation about how to live and how to love and how to relate with grace and dignity from father to son and mother to daughter, those very lessons that had been so missing in my own life, that my 
fragmented pieces of puzzle that were my life began to reassemble. And it was also at this time that it began to dawn on me my own, moral, mor my own morality, mortality, sorry, morality too, my own, <laughs> my own mortality, and that mortality being looking at the pictures on the altar, who is going to hold my story when I pass? Who will remember me when I'm gone? And it was those experiences that then influenced me to make a good decision in April 2017. And I came back from Nepal, and I was visiting my mom in San Antonio for two weeks. And I was really shocked and struck by the changes that had occurred while I was with her. She was so frail in her lift chair, so vulnerable, and her life had diminished so much, both in stature as well as in her contact with the outside world. And I knew that it was time for me to stay. So I found really meaningful work. I was fortunate in the United States, and I was able to prioritize my time with my mom for the past two and a half years. And we have lived, and we have loved, and we have laughed, and we have sat for long hours with nothing to say to each other, but just holding that space together. And it's changed both of us, this gift of time, this gift of togetherness has changed us both. I've seen her go from a fiercely independent, often angry, definitely somewhat controlling mom, <laughs> to a very serene, very peaceful pillar of strength. She has become a completely different woman within this horrific disease that she has. For me, compassion allowed me forgiveness. And I find for the first time in my life, I'm able to dance gracefully and with dignity around her in all the roles I play. I'm very much a daughter, of course, but I'm also a friend. I'm a companion, but I'm a confidant. I'm a nurturer, and I will be a caretaker. And it's given me insight and wisdom to this fear that I've had about dying lonely and dying alone. And what I've come to terms with is, is that in the end, we all die alone. And it's not, in death, it's not our bodies that are mourned and missed. It's the soul within. Death is finite, but the soul love transcends and lives forever. And I've realized for myself that it's not dying or death I'm afraid of, but living, having not loved enough. Thank you.